your Locked On Hurricanes, your daily podcast on the Carolina Hurricanes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Katie, every I'm day. your host, Jared Ellis, and you're listening to Locked On Hurricanes on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I'd like to thank you for making Locked On Hurricanes your first listen of the day. And as always, you can find Locked On Hurricanes on Twitter and Instagram at LO underscore Hurricanes and myself on Twitter at Jared Ellis underscore 96. And don't forget to rate Locked On Hurricanes five stars on whatever platform you're listening on. And in today's episode, we will be recapping the game against the Los Angeles Kings from Saturday. And I will be joined by Locked On LA Kings host Sarah Avampato. Enjoy, folks. All right, Hurricanes fans, I am joined by the big L taker from the weekend, Sarah Avampato from Locked On LA Kings. How are you doing this afternoon or evening, Sarah? Well, I've I've gotten over the big L because the Kings managed to accidentally win a game. So, you know, that was nice at least. <laughs> yes. And also one thing that did help. We we did get to go see Spider-Man No Way Home together before the game. Yeah. So yeah. that was that, yeah. That that fixed everything mostly. Before the game. It it didn't yeah. help the wounds after the game. But no. <laughs> um so diving into this game, this was a game that I was honestly kind of unsure if the Hurricanes could win it, to be mm-hmm. completely honest with you, because the Hurricanes were going in with such a depleted roster that I was honestly just wondering, like, okay, they're pretty much playing with an AHL team at this point mm-hmm. with a few NHL guys. And how can they compete against the Kings? Well, yes, the Kings are not the best team in the NHL it's there's still that jump between the AHL and NHL a bad NHL team can probably be a good AHL team Mm -hmm. give or take you know depends on the team (laughs) but (laughs) I don't think the Arizona Coyotes could beat an AHL team but uh but you get my point here like the level of competition is a lot different and Mm -hmm. I was wondering if the Hurricanes could pull off the win and Mm -hmm. they did in really dominant fashion really they end up winning a with a final score of five to one the hurricanes ended up scoring geez i want to say like just a few seconds into the game if i'm not mistaken Mm -hmm. (laughs) like we (laughs) just like sat down and were just getting comfortable in our seats by the time you the hurricanes decided to go and just like oh we're we're getting this started now <laughs> and that was, <laughs> 37 seconds in was the official time there with Yasbiri Kotniemi scoring a wrist shot again we're just getting settled and then Jesper Foss just a few seconds later he ended up scoring a minute 36 into the first period and again, we're still getting settled. And that was actually a power play goal. And that's one thing that the Hurricanes have been doing well as of late is their power play getting back to being a top tier power play. Because for a while there, it had really petered off and was 
not good. Their penalty killing was still good, but power play was not there. And it's nice that it has gotten back to where it needs to be. And for the most part, the Hurricanes looked really good in that first period. They obviously got to off to a really, really hot start and obviously made the joke to you of <laughs> fast is faster than quick. <laughs> and but definitely uh, after you know that first two minutes or so la definitely kind of settled in i guess you would say and while they weren't great they were able to fend off other scoring chances uh how did you like la through the first period uh they were terrible uh they i mean it's like okay the first goal was kind of an oops which i feel like set the tone from the beginning it was a, a puck that Quick had thought he had covered it. He did the like belly flop onto the ice and then it just pops out. And so of course, Kotkaniemi is there and puts the puck in. Okay, goal. That sucks. Fine. Kings then challenge the goal, lose the challenge. I forgot about the challenge. On the penalty kill because of losing the challenge. And then that's the goal that uh, Jesper Foss uh, scored. So, and that was like a real pretty goal, like looking at it as a, a, like, you know, impartial observer was a real nice goal and so I feel like that that like first two minutes of the game just they dug themselves a hole that they couldn't get back out of and from there like they looked slow they didn't look like you know they didn't come out with any really energy uh there were definitely a bunch of uh passengers let's say in this game for the kings of of guys who you're like are you doing anything and, you know, once again, the guys who were kind of making the biggest impact were those depth players. Um, the, the only goal that the Kings scored was from Blake Lazat, uh, who is, you know, a depth forward kind of playing maybe a little bit more than he, he usually would because of, um, well, now there's injuries and now everyone has COVID. But, you know, it, it was a game that I, I wasn't sure what was going to happen, much like you. Um, I The Kings have a tendency to sort of, play down to like their opponent when they have a, a bad team that they're playing against. Not that, I mean, hurricanes are obviously a very good team and the guys they brought up from the AHL, uh, you know, I get to see all the time because they're all members of the Chicago wolves. And I was like, well, you're bringing up like the top six of your AHL team. So they're going to be great as it is. Uh, it, it just wasn't a very good performance. They didn't really seem ready from it from the beginning. And then whenever things went bad they just kept going bad and they had no no fight for it uh and you know that that was it and the kings couldn't even do the like let's pull the goalie to give people motivation to try harder thing because uh cal peterson the usual goalie for the uh, other goalie for the kings was put on the covid list so he was unavailable uh the only person they could get to raleigh in time was the Kings ECHL goalie who is playing in Greenville. Uh, So the backup was a guy who has played like a handful of AHL games and that's it. So you're not doing that, (laughs) you know, you're not going to play that kid. So it was Jonathan quick or nothing. And it just, it was, it was not a good experience for the Kings. And then afterwards, uh, Phil Deneau got put on the COVID list too. So, you know, (laughs) It's just bad from start to finish. Yeah, like I said, the one positive you know, I could take away from the first period for the Kings was the fact that after that, they didn't allow any more mm-hmm. goals in the period mm-hmm. that they're like, okay, you know, like, we're at least able to do that. Yeah. And I, I think they may have gotten 
caught by surprise, at mm-hmm. least with the first goal. I totally forgot about the challenge that mm-hmm. that was why the Hurricanes went on the power play so early in the game. And I remember during the game, I looked over you and like, they're challenging already under a minute into the game. <laughs> what the heck are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> like, And that felt um, like a challenge just to like, I guess it was like they were challenging it because of a potential high stick, which I'm like, I don't know how, you know, I feel like that was a challenge just to be like, let's stall and give them a time to like reset. And then you lost the challenge anyway, um, which yeah. the Kings should have known their, their penalty kill is not particularly good. So maybe don't do that. Uh, and then they kept taking penalties. So, you know, the, the Hurricanes got more than their fair share of opportunities to score on the power play. Uh, the Kings just sort of were like, here you go. Have fun. Yeah. And the final tally for power play in the game was the Hurricanes went two for five on the power play and the Kings went oh for three on yeah, the power play. And you definitely just one thing I mentioned to you during the game, I forget when exactly it was. But at this point, Jonathan Quick gives me Cam Ward vibes mm-hmm. towards the end of his tenure with the Hurricanes because at his peak, he was one of the best goalies in the league. John, or Both of them won the Conn Smythe, uh, one of the few goalies to do it. And this holiday season, grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Grab a Built Bar. Built Bar is filled with so much holiday goodness, rich in decadent flavor, covered in chocolate, but amazingly low in calories, sugar, net carbs, and fat. And of course, high in protein. So you get the best of both worlds, delicious and healthy. And with so many flavors, you may end up having a hard time choosing what you'll have. Will you have a raspberry or mint brownie, cherry or double chocolate, cookies and cream, or peanut butter brownie? You guys know me, you know I'm going with my all-time favorite, the GOAT peanut butter brownie and with it being the holidays you know there's all these marshmallow treats that you or your family are making and you want some of those but you don't want the unhealthy aspects of them well now you need to get your hands on built bar puffs they're light fluffy and marshmallow through and through and with different flavors all covered in chocolate tastes so good you won't believe that they're filled with so much protein so go to built.com and use promo code locked15 and you'll get 15% off your order when you use promo code locked15 for 15% off at built.com. It got to the point with Cam where the team that was put out in front of him wasn't good and he was having to play more than he probably should have especially towards the end because you have a game like this you don't really have a good backup there to put in the game instead. And he's mm-hmm. having to go out there and play a full 60 minutes, stand on his head several times. And it, it just is not a good look for him. And the team just isn't helping him. And yeah. very much what the hurricanes did to Cam Ward there mm-hmm. for quite a few years, they didn't do anything to help him. The team they put in front of them was not good most of the time, and they never really had any good help behind them because you had Jack Campbell. Now he's the starter in Toronto. Mm-hmm. But, it, you know, it, it's definitely – you can see the parallels there. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I, I feel like, you know, before this season, you know, I, I had, I still do have a lot of confidence in Cal Peterson, uh, who is the, you know, hopeful heir apparent to Jonathan Quick, but for whatever reason, he's really been struggling this season. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course now he's on the COVID list. So who knows when he's going to be back, but you know, it, it's been very good that Jonathan Quick has been having this resurgence and has been putting up numbers that, you know, look, put him in the top of goalies in the league. But at the end of the day, he shouldn't have to be doing this. He shouldn't have to be playing, you know, all of these games and being put in these situations because the guy who was supposed to take over should be taking over uh, and he's not. So it's, it's a weird situation we were, you know, as Kings fans kind of prepared, at least a chunk of Kings fans, at least kind of prepared for like, okay, we need to move on. Like, let's get ready to say goodbye to Jonathan quick. He's, you know, his contract's up pretty soon and you know, whatever happens happens. But now it's like, okay, I think we actually need to hang on to him because if Cal Peterson doesn't get his act together, um, we, we don't have another plan. Like none of our other guys are ready yet. So you know, got to cross our fingers, but yeah, I, I do agree with the kind of late stage Cam Ward, um, you know, comparison of just shouldn't be having to shoulder as much work as he is. Uh, doesn't necessarily have the greatest team in front of him. Uh, doesn't necessarily have people who are particularly good at defense all the time in front of him and no one can score goals to even help out in that way. So it's uh, can someone give him cam wards number <laughs> because they might have something to talk about yeah it's definitely just like one of those things of yeah you know, if he was able to rest and mm-hmm. be a backup be a number two goalie mm-hmm. take a step back and because when cam was able to have rest and then come in he still looked pretty darn good when he was yeah. able to rest and heal, he was able to turn back the clock a little bit. But then he would have to play the next game and the mm-hmm. next game and the next day game before he could get a rest. Mm-hmm. And his body just you know kept deteriorating. And Jonathan Quick, yeah, he's having a good year so far, but we're only a little over a quarter of the way into the season. Mm-hmm. and you still have the rest of the season left to go. And then, like you said, if Cal Peterson can't get his act together, who knows what's next year or, or the year after and yeah. what's going to happen there and the toll that's going to take on his body if he still has yeah. to be a number one goalie or a 1B type option. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but- and it was like, I mean, also thinking about Cam Ward, I mean, he, you know, his last season, obviously he played in Chicago, and he was supposed to be kind of, you know, that veteran goalie back up to, to Corey Crawford and, you know, yeah, not be put into a situation where he has to play a bunch of games and it's just sort of there for, you know, to exist and whatever. And then that was the year, well, one of several years where Crawford got hurt. And then suddenly here Cam Ward is having to take on a really big responsibility behind a team that's really not good at all. And, so, you know, his last season, he looked bad because he wasn't supposed to be playing as much. I'm sure if he only played the like 15 games you thought he'd play, it would have been a different picture. But, you know, we it's goalies are weird, man. I think that's the, the moral of the story. 
<laughs> yeah, definitely moral of the story and kind of makes you wonder what the legacy of Jonathan Quick will be mm-hmm. if this road continues where he keeps mm-hmm. having to play when he shouldn't and if it will kind of be a thing of like Cam Ward where mm-hmm. if he was able to his workload was cut back when it should have been he may be looked looked at more fondly by some folks than he is I again understand you know what should have happened and what mm-hmm. actually happened and how that hurt him but a lot of people don't they just see the numbers and that's yeah. it they don't yeah. look at oh the team wasn't good in front of him oh mm-hmm. he didn't have any backup for him mm-hmm. to even be able to say he was constantly yeah. having to go out there and play injured play in front of a bad team and play when he shouldn't be playing but that is what it is but now moving on from the first period and our goalie comparisons Brett Pesci ended up opening up the scoring in the second period on what we thought was a Jack Drury goal. He ended up getting one later on in the third period. But it was nice that Pesci was able to get back in this game because, you know, he just got back off of the protocol list. We Mm -hmm. saw in the previous game for the Hurricanes that in his and Tony D'Angelo's games first back, D'Angelo scored a goal and that game was contributing how the Hurricanes needed him to do. And and that was something we talked about as well on the way to the game that, you know, while we don't necessarily like him, he was doing what the Hurricanes needed him to do on the ice. And Pesci now coming back off of COVID protocol as well, being able to step up and get in and contribute. And then you also have on several of these goals from the hurricanes was those guys from the Chicago wolves that you talked about Mm -hmm. their top six, they're contributing on assisting. You have Drury as well, you know, scoring a goal in two straight games, his first two NHL games, he scores a goal in each of them. And that's obviously great for him, but it's nice that these guys are contributing and they're not just bodies there Mm -hmm. to fill out a roster spot. Like, some of your Kings guys are. And of course we were treated to a Tavo Teravainen goal as well, which we don't see. We were. <laughs> <laughs> and then you also did have your Blake Lazat goal in the second period as well. And how was that for you? I mean, the Kings were down pretty bad at that point that came at 1533 in the second period. And this was you still had a whole period left to play. So like in theory, you could dig yourself out, but did that give you any kind of hope at all? No, no. I mean, it gave me hope that they weren't going to get shut out. Uh, You know, I, I, it's always nice to not get shut out. Um, Lazat, he's someone who, you know, in the past I have been like, Hey, you know, why, why is he here? What does he do? But you know, at the end of the day, he's your, you know, stereotypical bottom six pesty kind of player that you know a lot of heart a lot of energy uh he he does tend to kind of get overlooked by by the opposing team because he's not known necessarily as an offensive player so uh, he does kind of get more opportunities maybe at at the net that uh, other top players wouldn't uh in the king's next game uh against the capitals he actually scored a shorthanded goal i think it was 
Uh, and it was because he was basically left alone in front of the net because all of the Capitals players chased Alex Iafalo into the corner. And, you know, there's Blake Lazat there perfectly placed for, for a, a goal. So it was, it was nice to see him score. Uh, he has now scored three goals this season. Two of them have come against the Hurricanes. So, you know, that's funny. But, you know, it, if it would have come earlier in the period, it came, um, there was about five minutes left in the second period. So, you know, that's, a, that's still a pretty substantial hole to dig yourselves out of. Um, if he had scored that goal, you know, even like right after that Teravainen goal, I would have been a little bit more like, all right, there's still, you know, a period and a half essentially to get a couple more goals. But um, the, the Kings have had comeback wins this season, which has been nice to see that resilience from them. But the Hurricanes were just playing so well. Um, you know, there weren't very many flaws in their game, even playing with, uh, you know, six AHLers essentially in their lineup. Uh, there just wasn't a lot of mistakes that they were making that the Kings could have exploited. And the Kings don't do very well at exploiting mistakes unless they're on top of their game. And they sure weren't in this one. So, you know, it was nice that we scored. That was fun. But I didn't, I didn't really think, Oh, we're going to turn it around now. Yeah. But one thing the Kings did do better than the hurricanes in this game, actually a few things, the Kings did out hit the Hurricanes 23 to 17. So that's good, I guess. And in the fact that you're able to bring some physicality to the game mm-hmm. and, and you also had more blocks than the Hurricanes. Uh, you had 11 blocks to the Hurricanes eight. I know I'm obviously reaching here a little bit for some positivity for some <laughs> Kings fans, but you know, the Kings, they were at least able to win in that regard mm-hmm. of like, all right, we we may not be able to do the offensive stuff, but we're going to we're going to beat you down and make you work for it, essentially. Yeah. And, and, and like and, and like looking at those stats, I mean, seven of those hits came from Brendan Lemieux, which you he know, was a pest he, in this game. Yeah, he was a super, super pest in this game. I feel like anytime there was nonsense after a whistle, like the officials like would go over and just remove him from the situation. Uh, you know, he, he has a reputation uh, even before he bit a person, he had a reputation uh, and he is, you know, much like we talked about how Tony D'Angelo is doing what the hurricanes brought him there to do um, his Brendan Lemieux, their buddies. Uh, he's doing what the Kings brought him there to do, which is be irritating, be a pest, be the guy who gets the other team riled up um and sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't uh in this game it didn't really give you know the kings much more life than it did and you know otherwise but you know he had seven of those hits he is playing physical he is playing kind of on that edge uh you know if he hadn't bit someone we he wouldn't have been suspended uh which is you know kind of the the line you want him to play on uh but you know he he's doing what he's supposed to do uh, there were other players, uh, you know, Adrian Kempe had six shots on goal. Arthur Kaliev had five shots on goal. Uh, a couple of the defensemen were up there as well. Uh, and so in, in some cases that was just, you know, you take six shots on goal, you'd think one of them's going to go in. Uh, and it's just Freddie Anderson being Freddie Anderson. And he, he was great in this game. The, the chances that the Kings had on him that were good, you know, he, he stopped everything. He looked really good. So, you know, if you look at it outside of the score, the Kings did do a lot of things right. Uh, they just, you know, didn't get the puck in the net. And 
some of that is a lot of that is because of how well Freddie Anderson played. Yeah, Freddie, he's definitely one of the top five, three goalies in the league right now. He is playing out of his mind and he's doing what the Hurricanes were betting on him doing whenever they brought him here. They were hoping on him bouncing back from a past couple seasons in Toronto where they're a bit down. Bet Online has you covered all season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. As football continues, it's March to the playoffs. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all of these sports action this season. So head to their new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code LOCKED ON to receive that 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. From basketball to football, hockey, boxing, and UFC, and even right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. Mm-hmm. And he's doing exactly that, and definitely starting to make me eat my words a little bit. Uh, comments <laughs> I made in the offseason about the Hurricanes shouldn't have gotten rid of Alex and Delkovich. Mm-hmm. But Ned is also doing some decent work up there in Detroit as well. He's obviously in Detroit, so he can only do so much there. But, you know, he he's making some – he's definitely won the, wing, the Red Wings some games up there as well. But you can obviously tune into Locked on Red Wings for that talk. <laughs> But, you know, one thing, you know, that looking at this game now, the Hurricanes won the season series mm-hmm. with against the Kings. They won back in November on November mm-hmm. 20th, five to four, when that crazy, like, five-minute stretch where it was just, oh, <laughs> Kane scored, oh, King yep. scored, and just going back and forth. And now they won pretty dominantly in Mm -hmm. this game over the weekend so now the season series is done unless they were to somehow meet in the stanley cup final which (laughs) don't don't place money on that one (laughs) yeah don't yeah don't place money on that but looking back at the season series it it was definitely i would say a mixed bag for both teams Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, the Hurricanes won the series. Won the series. They won both games. All right, great, fantastic. And this game itself was definitely better than the first because I feel mm-hmm. the the first game for the Hurricanes was sloppy, mm-hmm. and that wasn't necessarily a game that they should have won because of how sloppy and loose they're playing and the Kings in that game did take advantage of opportunities that were mm-hmm. put in front of them. And yeah, in this game, not so much, but mm-hmm. in the hurricanes didn't give them those opportunities, but looking forward into next season and beyond, what do you feel that the Kings need to do to be able to compete with and beat the hurricanes 
other part than of it, score I, goals. Yeah, other than score goals. I mean, part of it is, I mean, it does come under the category of score goals, but, you know, the special teams just, not just against the Hurricanes, but against basically every team uh, have really let the Kings down. You know, whatever they're doing with their power play isn't working. Uh, it's very predictable, pretty much. There's, team, there's teams that have figured out very quickly what the Kings' strategy is, and then the opposing team basically just stacks their guys up at the blue line, and then the Kings can't get in the zone during the power play and then play goes the other way and they give up a shorthanded goal or something. So they have to figure it out. You know, I, I, I don't know if it's a coaching thing. Uh, it probably is a coaching thing, but you know, there, there's so much talent on that power play. Like Arthur Kaliev should be scoring a power play goal, like every other game or something, uh, because that, that is what he does. And it's not like he can't, you know, shoot the puck at this level. He's shown that he can, but they're just, despite the fact that the Kings keep saying that they want to play with creativity and movement and whatever, they're not. And they, they really have to figure that out because just, you know, one or two power play goals in this game uh, or really any game for the Kings would totally change the, the makeup the, of the game. And so I think that that's something, and, you know, the Hurricanes I know have traditionally had a really strong penalty kill. So they have to figure out how to get past that and how to take advantage of the man advantage. So, you know, I think that that's something that will help them not just against the hurricanes, but against a lot of these top teams where it is hard to score at even strength. Uh, and it's really just, they, they have a hard time dealing with teams that have speed and have players who do unexpected things. And, you know, that, that is just, they have to, they have to get over it <laughs> and they have to learn that not every team is going to play the same kind of standard game and you have creative players who are going to just you know blow past your defense and you've got to figure it out so it's learning to play against those teams that have the speed and have the creativity that the kings don't necessarily have either because of talent or because of coaching uh, but you know it, it'll be interesting next season i think the kings will have you know quentin byfield should definitely be in the nhl uh, the prospects will be another year more experienced uh, we're already seeing good things from guys like Sean Dersey on the blue line, uh, even though he took a kind of dumb penalty in that game against the Hurricanes. But, uh, you know, the, the young guys are just going to continue to grow. And as Kings fans, we just have to hope that uh, they are given the opportunities to actually do good things and not be sort of stymied by, like, how blah the Kings have been. Yeah, I think with... The Kings are definitely, they very much remind me almost of the Carolina Panthers in mm -hmm. the way that they're cho coached. It's very vanilla. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. uh, you hear the Panthers talked about like, oh, well, he's obviously not the offensive coordinator anymore, but Joe Brady, he was basically using like a Madden playbook. He just mm -hmm. pulled all his plays from Madden and it was really easy to predict what they're going to do. And say the same thing about Matt Rule as well, of basically using a very vanilla Madden playbook. It's very much like Todd McClellan is using a EA Sports NHL playbook <laughs> type thing yep. of a very predictable and mm -hmm. vanilla way of doing things. And it, it's almost like in the way that the game has evolved over the past few years, the Kings almost haven't adapted the way they mm -hmm. need to 
and they're very much stuck in almost the early 2010s of yeah Anze Kopitar, Drew Doughty, Dustin mm-hmm. Brown, Jonathan Quick you still have all of those guys there and you're still trying to play with that group that won you those cups mm-hmm. and and now they are almost a decade older gosh that's horrible like, <laughs> Uh, yeah, because that next year would be ten years since the yep. first cup. And yep, crazy to think about. I yeah, remember it's watching that, but you, you know, <laughs> you're you're still trying to play with the same essentially core group. Yeah, that you did ten years ago. Yeah, and, and, and it's they been weren't interesting. rookies then either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they've been around for a while, and and it's been interesting to hear Todd McClellan talk about this because. He has talked about, you know, wanting the team to play with creativity and speed and all the stuff that, you know, you hear from, you you want to hear from your coaches. But he also kind of talks about like, listen, we need to strip it all back and go back to basics with some of these guys, make sure they get the basics, and then we can start injecting more flair into our game, for lack of a better word. But that's not what's like the flair has not been injected yet. And, you know, if you're still working on basics with these guys, then something is going wrong. Uh, you know, if, if the team hasn't remembered how to like back check by now, I like, I don't know what to tell you. So, you know, there, there is some concern from a coaching perspective of, okay, if you say like, we want to make sure everyone's on the same page before we start doing more advanced, fun, cool stuff. Why is it taking so long to get everyone on the same page? Like you can't, you're going to run out of excuses eventually. So it, it is frustrating because they all talk the good talk of, knowing what they need to do to be able to compete. I mean, I feel like just show, just make this team sit down and like clockwork orange style, like watch hurricanes and lightning footage or something until they figure out how to steal it and do it themselves. Um, You know, those are the teams that they should be trying to emulate. And for whatever reason, they just don't get there. Um, But then you see guys leave the Kings and go on and have success playing fun, creative games on other teams. Uh, And, you know, who, who would ever trade Jeff Carter? Well, look at Jeff Carter on the Penguins. Hmm. Uh, No, he, he, one of the things that he said when he got traded there was, yeah, I don't have to think. They just told me to go out and play my game and do what I've been doing my whole career. And, you know, we'll, we'll work with it. And, you know, he's, been scoring goals he's been you know having to play bigger minutes than maybe he was supposed to because of injuries in in, to basically everyone in Pittsburgh Uh, and he's playing a fun creative game of hockey that has been his style his career uh, and he just couldn't find success in the past couple years with 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 the Kings and so it's like all right well why is it that when everyone leaves they suddenly say oh yeah like I can just play hockey and not have to think too hard about it well why why is this happening um it, so it's, it's yeah it's almost like they're overcomplicating it mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. la i i do feel that they honestly need i mean you can go down the list of things that the kings need like all right mm-hmm. you need a, a young goaltender to step up and take the mantle from jonathan quick so he can mm-hmm rest and enjoy his retirement that'll be coming sooner rather than later you could obviously go that route but I feel like with the Kings they could benefit from a coaching change in the same way that the Hurricanes did 
when mm-hmm. Bill Peters was ousted and, you know, he didn't come back. And, you know, then Rod Brindamore took over and the culture that he's implemented has really changed the team. And now they're a successful team constantly mm-hmm. in Stanley Cup conversations and up at the top of the league, Brendan Moore, yeah, I believe, yeah, through the first quarter of the season, he was once again the favorite to win the Jack Adams again. Mm-hmm. And I feel that the Kings, they could use someone like that to go in there and change their culture and the way yeah. that they do things. Obviously, that's not going to happen with every coach like that mm-hmm. uh, Brendan Moore was a very rare occurrence I guess you yeah. would say yeah like, that's not always yeah. going to happen where you can turn a bottom feeder into a Stanley Cup contender in three four seasons right. like, like it's not always going to happen but I do feel the Kings need a coach that is more I guess you would say in touch with Mm -hmm. things because Brendan Moore is very much a player's coach you hear even the guys that are gone now that don't play for the Hurricanes Mm -hmm. they said Brendan Moore was a player's coach and he got the game and he knew what it takes he he knows Mm -hmm. what where the players are coming from he's done it all (laughs) and he's been on good teams and he's been on bad teams like he he knows what it's all about and I feel that the Kings could benefit from someone like that someone that has been a player before Mm -hmm. not just an office guy and a behind the Mm -hmm. bench guy someone that's been out there and played and they need a player's coach to really try to change the culture and you you mentioned you know the fanciness of things Mm -hmm. and the flair I honestly think they could have benefited from a a star player like, like a Jack Eichel, of someone that's mm-hmm. going to bring some fancy play to there. I, I think they could benefit from something like that. And obviously maybe getting that with Byfeld here soon. We'll just have to wait and see on that. But I think they need to start to cut back the roles of Kopitar, Brown, mm-hmm. Dowdy, those veteran guys. Of start cutting them back. If you want to keep them around, that's fine. I mean, they they wouldn't have lasted this long if they didn't bring something valuable to the team. And I think that you can start to cut those guys back and give more of a spotlight to your younger guys and let them take the mantle like you want Cal Peterson to do from Jonathan mm-hmm. Quick. You need some other guys to take the mantle from Kopitar, Brown, and Dowdy. And yeah. the Kings haven't really had that. Hopefully you can be yeah. having it soon, but I, I think that can definitely help the Kings of, you know, a, a coaching change for sure is someone that yeah. isn't going to overcomplicate things. Someone that knows what the players want and then get, start to limit your, older guys and give more of a spotlight to your younger guys yeah because like i was thinking about brenda Moore, like he's a guy that 
you know, you listen to any player on that team and he, he definitely is that like a guy would run through a wall for him kind of guy. Like he just inspires people to just do what he, he could tell them to do anything. And they're going to be like, yeah, yeah, Rod. Yeah. And they're going to do it. And, you know, I, I, I respect Todd McClellan a lot. And I think that he, at the time that he was brought in, he was a great choice for just kind of writing the ship, calming everything down. They had had a couple of really turbulent years in terms of, you know, coaches and, you know, they fired Daryl Sutter and then they brought, you know, it was just a weird, weird, bad time for the Kings. So I, I felt like it was a good choice just to sort of like, be like, all right, let's all just calm down. Let's all just chill. But getting them over the hump isn't happening. And I don't really see anyone describing Todd McClellan as like, I'm going to run through a wall for this man. And so like, yeah, maybe that is something that is the next step for them of, okay, we need some, everyone's kind of on the same page now of like, we're playing hockey. Like we're all, we all, we all got that, but how do we inspire them? And I don't, I don't know that McClellan necessarily, necessarily inspires them uh, to, to want to take that next step. So it's, you know, it's going to be an interesting time for the Kings because they have the talent. Now the young guys are ready to step up and contribute. And the fact that things still aren't, necessarily going in the right direction uh even if you don't even if you don't consider you know injuries and COVID and stuff is a little bit like "Mm, I don't like this situation so what we need to do is clone Rod Brindamore and then I can have the other one (laughs) yeah so big question is who do you want to be the next head coach for the Kings I don't know man like they all (laughs) like the they just keep recycling the same six dudes around the league. And, you know, I, I, I don't necessarily trust them enough to like think outside the box and pick a good outside the box coach. But, you know, the guys who don't have jobs right now aren't necessarily guys who I'm like, Ooh, I'm really passionate about bringing in like Elaine Vigneault, like, no, thank you. So it, it, no, it's John also Tortorella. Kind of- no, I mean, I've heard like I've heard him come up and, you know, he people hate him, but also he does, get, you know, if you're a player that meshes with him, he is that guy that you're going to run through a wall for. But he also wears out his welcome really quickly. Uh, so, you know, and I also think that he's pretty happy just spouting off his opinions on TV. But, you know, there, there's not a lot of guys available who really inspire me to be like yeah that's who i want i need the kings to snap him up uh, who would be a bit of a outside of the box choice of like an assistant coach moving up or an ahl guy or, or something like that yeah i mean i i know that there's people always kind of look to europe i know the guy who's the ho- the coach of sweden's uh, national team is always looked at as someone who should be in the nhl and just isn't yet um i wouldn't be surprised if they're the Kings are kind of grooming uh, John Robleski, who is their AHL coach uh, to eventually take on an NHL role. Uh, he, after kind of a rough first season with the, the Ontario rain, uh, really kind of turned it around this year. And that team has been uh, phenomenal. And he's a guy who has had success pretty much at every level he's coached at already. So I, I wouldn't be surprised to see in a couple of years, maybe uh, him, him go up. Uh, you know, one, one coach who I've always had had an eye on because I've watched him with the Chicago Wolves was Rocky Thompson who was an assistant with the Sharks and then 
uh, stepped down because he said he couldn't get the COVID vaccine. Uh, he said it was medical, but I don't know that I believe that. Um, but, you know, he's a guy who, similar to that Rod Brindamore, make guys do whatever because they love him so much. You know, he made the Wolves teams that he coached achieve so much more than they really should have achieved. Like, and those guys would have done anything for him. Um, and, uh, you know, he uh, apparently probably as long as COVID is a thing, I guess he's not going to be coaching. So that kind of stinks. But yeah, I, I think that you really do need to look for that kind of guy who just inspires players. And, um, you know, I don't know that <laughs> many of the guys out there on the market are, are those guys, but I, I, I would keep an eye on the Kings AHL team and see over the next couple of seasons, what they do there. Um, they like to keep things in house. So that might be a, an idea for them. Yeah. At this point, all you can really do is just sit back and mm-hmm. wait for it all to happen. Folks. I hope you enjoyed that recap of the LA game that I did with Sarah. That was a lot of fun to be able to go to that game with her and just enjoy a hockey game with a friend. And Now, in the next episode, we will be discussing with Sarah just how the hockey world has now started to get turned upside down yet again with the NHL season getting put on pause last night. That news broke shortly before we decided to start recording, and we'll be discussing that in the next episode. So stay tuned for that. And in the meantime, go follow myself on Twitter at Jared Ellis underscore 96. The show on Twitter and Instagram at LO underscore Hurricanes. And don't forget, again, rate Locked on Hurricanes five stars on whatever stream platform you are listening on. And I will talk to you in the next episode.